In this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast, I am joined by my friend Jeff Morell, a former member and leader of my childhood church, who recounts his time in ministry and takes an honest look at the things that were done right and the aspects he would change. This week's conversation is based around the topics and themes in chapter 11 of my book, A Jumble of Crumpled Papers. If you enjoyed today's conversation and haven't read the book, the link to pick it up is in the description below. If you're a first-time listener, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to our intro episode, episode zero, to get brought up to speed on what this podcast is all about. But without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Crumpled Papers podcast. My name is Austin Knoll, and today I am joined by a very special guest. We have Jeff Morell, who we'll get into it is a couple of things. I actually only met you in person, I think, for the first time, maybe two and a half years ago. Is that right? right yeah, roughly. Maybe you know met me parents. when I was a kid. I don't know, know my parents. parents. And that's the yeah. biggest thing here is you, this whole podcast is about, based on my book, about my experiences going through church, uh, good, bad, ugly, what I would learn, what I would do differently. And Jeff, you were a member of this church and also a leader of this church for a good amount of years back. And what, what, what time frame was that specifically? Um, you know, I want to say I went on staff with the church 1993. Okay. Probably yeah. somewhere in there and was on staff with them uh, until roughly 2000, okay. about seven, eight years altogether. Yeah. Cool. So, so this is going to be, I mean, this is going to be a very, I think, valuable conversation for many people. I'm ex- excited to get into this because I've had, you know, previous members on to talk about their experiences of our church, of different churches, and that's been awesome. But then to have someone who was as quote-unquote high up on the ranks as you are, I think will provide some really, really good insight. So I'm really excited about this conversation. I want to start off with the question that I ask all my guests, and that is, would you please give us a general overview of yourself in regards to your background, your faith, your church life, etc.? Uh, and include, you know, how you found the church, the process of maybe joining staff, and then leading up to eventually leaving that church. Well, and first of all, I appreciate having me on. You know, I know there's a lot of people of you get on here. I, I appreciate when you called me and, you know, I read the book, loved the book. Thank you. Um, it was hard to read the book at times, I got to be honest, <laughs> because of what was in there. There was just some things in there. It was just like, oh my goodness, yeah, just triggering some things, you know, whatever. But um, I, I will say this just to start with, like, I'm definitely no expert as far as, you know, theology, all kinds of stuff. But going back, uh, I'm from Indiana, originally born and raised, uh, moved to California after I graduated college. I went to Butler University and my senior year, there was a film crew that comes to town and uh, worked on the movie Hoosiers. And so, you know, people your age probably like, you know, what's a Hoosier? Well, you know, what the heck is that? (laughs) But um, anybody's been around a while, you know, sports movie, basketball, Gene Hackman, Dennis Hopper. I'm a film major, so I know that movie. You know that movie. (laughs) Yeah. I was talking to a guy yesterday. He's like, oh my God, it's my favorite movie. You know, whatever. So anyway, um, had a lot of fun on that. I'd always loved movies as a kid, but, you know, growing up, uh, small town, Indiana, never considered making a move to LA, but graduated college in 1986 and me and a buddy of mine, we decided let's go out there and give it a shot, you know, in production after we worked on the movie. So went out there, got into the film business, uh, worked actually in film production on the production side for, you know, nine, 10 years, whatever it was. But uh, 1990, or, uh, 1992 is when I became a Christian. I was definitely at a point where, you know, making great money in the business, doing very well in the business, worked my way up really pretty quick in the business. 
but also realized just how empty it all was. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't about the fame and the fortune, the money, because I was around some big people. I mean, I worked on tons of music videos. I mean, you know, yeah. you name it. I mean, Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, David Bowie, Van Halen. I could go down the list, Madonna. All these people I worked with, as far as that goes, worked on a couple of movies, a couple of you know, Ben Stiller's TV show on Fox worked on that for a season, just different things around some really big people went to the parties, went to all the stuff and just, it was so empty. It was so empty. You know, the mm -hmm. cameras go off and it's like, wow, they're no different than you and me and, you know, and whatever. And so many of them, I mean, just miserable looking for the applause, you know, yeah. cause, and then that's, so going for that, you know, again, I love the industry, love the business, but it just, you know, it led me to becoming a Christian. So 1992, for whatever reason, January 1992, went out and bought a Bible. I have no idea why I did that. And uh, <laughs> seriously, and started reading it, didn't get it. It was like seven, eight months later when uh, two friends of mine back in Indiana who had become Christians about the same time as, you know, the time I bought that Bible, I was back home just visiting and, you know, a little vacation back there, catching up with family and friends. And these two buddies of mine, we go out for dinner one night and um, I'm thinking we're going to go out and do what we always did on Saturday nights when I went back home. And instead, we sat there and pretty much closed down that restaurant. It's probably midnight. They kicked us out because uh, they're asking me all this stuff. And I'm asking them questions. And they're telling me all these answers. And I go to church with them the next day. They yeah. connected me with the same church out in California. So when I went back, I plugged in with that group and uh, ended up becoming a, a Christian August of 1992. Hmm. Yeah, it was funny because I, I met my wife there at the church. Yeah. And we, we didn't go on staff right away. But what happened, I remember we were leading a kind of small group, house church, whatever, Bible talk, we called them back in the day. And we had a meeting one night for all the leaders. This is probably, I don't know, eight, nine months after I become a Christian. And they said, hey, Jeff and Lane, we'd like to talk to you guys. We weren't married yet, just leading the group. They said, hey, you know, we've been thinking about it. We're growing like crazy. We've been praying about it. We need help. We don't want an answer right now. Go pray about it. If you think it's the right thing, we would love to have you guys come on staff. We need help. And for me, honestly, it was a very easy answer. I just, I was having a hard time in the film business because I literally did a 180. I mean, when I became a Christian, there was just so many things about that business that I just, it got to a point where I felt like I am just, I, I can't do this. I, I, I'm walking right up against the line on some things. Yeah. I just, like I'm trying to get out of this and change the way I'm living and, and, and go down this road with God. And it's just, there's so many things I was just wrestling with. And so it was an easy decision for me. I mean, Went from making, you know, a thousand dollars a day in the film business to two thousand a month in ministry. Yeah. But you know, that's not why you do it for the money. Exactly. Had a yeah. great time. Love working with people, love getting there with people. Um, and it was awesome. I mean, did it yeah. for for you know quite a while there, you know, until we made the move. What happened for us, I mean, I'll just share some of the story. It was all going good. You know, we had a good group, you know, everything was growing, loved the people, still got, you know, to this day, tons of great oh, yeah. friendships and relationships that have come from that. The last couple of years I was there, I really started wrestling. You could ask anybody that was on staff. Um, and if anybody's listening to this and wants to, you, you'll remember this because once a month we'd have a big staff meeting with the entire staff of the LA church. People driving down from Ventura oh, into Hollywood, people coming okay. up from Orange County, people, you know, I mean, and it's, it's, you know, you're talking, you know, getting up at six in the morning on a Monday morning to be there by nine, if you're living yeah. way out there somewhere, it's LA. And so we'd have these big meetings and, you know, I swear you'd have to put me back together after some of these. It was just, it got really hard because there was a point in there somewhere where things just, where I noticed, maybe I'd been there before, but I really noticed just a shift in the thinking and the mindset, the way it was going. It became all about the growth, numbers, growth, 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 numbers, 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 push, push, push. And 
I, I honestly, I, I can't tell you how many times I'd walk out of there. It felt like a Xerox corporate meeting or something. I mean, sure. we would get a, a packet of statistics breaking down every single element of the church and every group in the church. Everything That's fascinating. From, yeah. Everything from how much money was give, being given per group within the church. There's 30, 40 groups all throughout out of LA, you know, through how many people are studying the Bible, how many people got baptized last week, how many people left the church last <laughs> week, last month, you know, overall for the year, here's the six month running thing with graphs and charts. Wow. And I mean, it was, I'm not kidding you. And we would be there. The meeting would start at nine in the morning and sometimes it'd be three, four o'clock in the afternoon. We're getting out. I mean, it was like so mind numbing and it just got to a point. I'm just like, what are we doing? Like, what are yeah. we doing? I wrestled with it. You know, it just felt like, you know, we'd have to turn in like, you know, okay. You'd have to get a, a prediction every month. You know, mm -hmm. how big is your group going to grow by this month? Well, let's see. I think we can do, I think we'll have 10 baptisms this month, whatever. And so, you know, you know, we're calling in these accountability stats, you know, to like our leaders and this kind of stuff. And some of the leaders in our group, you know, if we were in a big push or a campaign, they'd have to call us every night and we'd track all this and just reporting up the lines and keeping track of all these numbers and stuff. And I, and I know everybody did this when they were on staff because you didn't dare come in to that meeting a month later and your numbers were off. If you did more than the 10, hallelujah, you're the hero. Right. You know, you're walking across the stage and everybody's standing ovation. You know, if you came in and you only had, you know, eight baptisms that month, it's like, look out, you know, mm -hmm. and so people would fudge their numbers. I mean, I know we did. I did. Everybody. Did. Oh, I bet. I mean, it makes sense. Because you, you feel like your job's on the line if you don't hit it, especially if you went several months in a row where things, I mean, there's a little bit of grace there along the way, but man, you know, I'm, not, I'm just saying it got to this point. And I think for myself, if I would have been single, probably those last couple of years, I probably would have stepped out even then. Sure. Like I'm out, like I'll, I'll go back to the film business and whatever I, you know, I can take care of myself, but here I am now. I got married in 1994. Okay. Um, we just had our 29th anniversary. And um, so anyway, thank you. And, but got married. So now I'm married and I got two daughters and I'm like, Oh my God, I felt trapped. I really did. I just felt like I am stuck. Like, what do I do now? Like I've been out of the film business for seven, eight years at this point. You don't go back to where you, you know, yeah. where you left off, you're kind of starting over to some degree, having to work your way back up. Sure. I could probably do it quicker, but still, you know, I, I, I don't go back. I can't go back to my degree, which was in broadcasting TV news, what I was doing back in Indianapolis. You don't just start in LA doing TV news. You know I mean? It's just, it doesn't work that <laughs> yeah. way. You're going to start in, you know, Podunk, Arkansas and work your way up the line. It's just, you know, I've got a family to take care of now. So it was just, it was really hard those last couple of years, to be honest. I mean, I wrestled with it so much because I just felt like, again, it's just, it was all about these numbers and numbers and numbers. And wait a minute, like every one of these numbers has a name behind it, sure. you know, and, and there's a soul behind this. There's people behind this. And we're just, you know, it was like, we're herding cattle is what it felt like. It were just, yeah. it, it just, I don't know. There was so much about it that just got skewed and, I don't know, you know, LA, we wanted to be the fastest growing church in the country and the biggest church in the country and, you know, whatever. And I remember we're going to meet at the Rose Bowl. We're going to fill the Rose Bowl. Well, we filled an end zone one time at the Rose Bowl and it was all kind of cool. But I'm like, you know, what are we doing? You know, thousands and thousands of dollars we probably spent on this event That's at the true. Rose Bowl. And I just, I wrestled with that part of it too. One of the things we did every year, we'd, we would do like a special missions contribution, right? And again, same kind of thing. It was just like, you know, What's the goal for the group? Here's what the goal is going to be for the group. And God help you if you didn't hit that goal. 
that quota. We always yeah. hit the goal. I never, I don't ever remember not hitting the goal, but I will tell you, I mean, what went on through that process for me was just excruciating, you know, having to take every midweek service a Wednesday night and, you know, here's, you know, how many people, here's what everybody, we knew everybody's goal across the board, what their special sure. contribution is going to be. Well, this one's $500 off. We only got a week to go, you know, what's your plan? What are you going to sell? To come up with this, right? What are you going to yeah. do to come up with this? You know, and I remember seeing you know single moms like literally like you know making big pots of vegetable soup and bringing it to the midweek service and selling it out of the trunk of their car outside for you know five dollars a bowl with something whatever. I mean, doing and and I, I love the heart behind all that in terms of sure. like we're all working hard to to do these things, whatever. But you know, at the same time, then I'm like you know I remember again those last couple of years. It's like you know we're going out to eat as a staff after our meeting. And we're going to like McCormick and Schmicks. Yeah. You know, like, which was back then. I don't know if there's even still around, you know, but here's this big fancy seafood place. Like I don't need a $40 lunch. I really don't. Yeah. And I, and I was vocal about that. Like I, like, sure. what, like I just felt guilty. Like, what are we doing? Like, here's the single mom, you know, we're getting soup out of the back of her car Making to food make to ends sell. meet. And, yeah. and then we're going to go have this, you know, whatever, pay 800 bucks for a lunch for, you know, the, the staff of 20 people. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. Well, Jeff and Lane, you know, we're all going to go to McCormick and Schmicks, but you know, if you want to go at Denny's, you know, we'll, we'll pick you up afterwards. <laughs> and they would say this literally, like, yeah. like I would get pulled out and, and then, you know, ha ha. And everybody laugh about it. And I just wrestled with all of it. And so for us, it got down to a point, it was uh 1999, December of 99. And we just decided it's time to step out. It's time to step down. We felt like it was time to get out of LA. Nothing against LA. A lot of friends out there. I just, sure. I, uh, I didn't have any family out there and we did want to get our, we have two daughters. They were four and one when we left LA. We did, we wanted to get them closer to family and cousins and grandparents, that kind of stuff, whatever. Better air quality. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I will tell you, it was a combination of everything that kind of came together to where it's time to make a move. And, you know, we moved to Colorado. I had nothing lined up coming here. It was a huge leap of faith to come. Yeah. My wife's family was here. Um, it was either going to be here or Indiana, where I'm from. We'd come here a couple of times to visit, loved it here. So we moved to Colorado. It's been a great move. We've been here now for whatever, 24 years. I ended up working with my father-in-law in real estate and I've been doing that now for 24 years and done well. So I don't know, I've had multiple careers and I've just yeah. always trusted, you know, we're doing it for the sake of our family. God's going to bless it, whatever. But it just felt like, you know, it was a combination of a lot of things. And, you know, it's just time to step out of ministry. We came here. We actually did plug in with the same church here and it was fine. Yeah. You know, um, you know, plugged right in and, and they were awesome. They pulled us in and helped us move and do all the things we need to do. Everybody was there for each other in that way. It was about two years later after we'd been here when, uh, you know, a big leader in the church who I believe was in England, London, England, basically wrote like this. I don't know, whatever it was, like 24-page letter. Oh, the letter. Like yes. The I know letter. Yes, it was kind of like, you know, Martin Luther, you know, nailing the the things, you know, over there in Germany <laughs> yeah. to back in the day. I mean, it was just, the it was like the shot heard around the world in the church we were part of. And for context, for anyone who doesn't know what this is, this letter was, yeah, 20, 20 some odd pages going through and describing in, in very vivid detail the different issues that this individual was noticing in our church organization, which is an international organization. And, I mean, it didn't hold back. He went through every abuse of power, every financial problem and conflict and manipulation and whatever else that obviously constituted 24 pages worth. Uh, and 
really unmasked a lot of issues that were going on below the surface, behind the curtain, which, I mean, it caused a, a schism, if you will, in our church organization as a whole, where on the individual level, many people left the organization all over the, the world. And on a church level, many churches broke off and their ministries and congregations decided they were going to leave the overarching umbrella of the larger organization. So it was a big deal and a big eye-opener for, for, for most people. You know, for many, for the first time, it's like either they had suspicions that things were going on and they noticed some things and this gave confirmation and voice to those suspicions. And for many people who had no idea there were any problems, it was the first time where they were confronted with the idea of, wow, there are some things in this church that are not good. So, I mean, there's a lot more to that, but that's just some, some basic context. So, anyway, so the letter came out. I was probably one of the first ones in Colorado Springs to get it because of my connection to L.A. But I remember when I read this thing, I mean, I started reading it. I was at, I was at a, a real estate in an office, and I was on the computer. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I printed it out brought it home. Again, 24 pages. Whatever I've it read it. It's hefty. <laughs> Oh yeah. My wife and I, we sat on a living room couch reading this letter and I was just like, I'm, I'm reading a page like, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm passing the next page to her, the next page to, you know, whatever. And honestly, my, my initial reaction was to thank God. Like somebody is speaking up, somebody's speaking up again. I would have spoken up and I probably should have spoken up, but I know what would have happened if I just spoken up like, okay, that's fine. You'll like it. There's the door. Get out of here. Yeah, feeling that pressure again. I've got a family to feed. What and you're I not alone. Many people probably felt the exact same oh, way. Oh, it was just I felt like trapped again. But now I'm not on staff. I'm working in real estate, whatever. And the right. letter comes out. I'm like, hallelujah. Now it's funny here in Colorado Springs. And I know this was handled differently all across the country. Here in Colorado Springs, I remember it was um, it was Valentine's. So I remember it was Friday <laughs> night. Friday night was like Valentine's Day. I saw the letter like on Tuesday. Friday night, it's a, a married a dance for all the married couples. Yeah. So we're there at the dance and I remember, you know, here's the, you know, everybody's got their tables and the dance floor and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I remember, you know, you're over at the punch bowl and people are like, you know, did you hear about that letter? You know, everybody's like, there's like underneath it was like, yeah, hey, did you hear about that letter? You know, it's like this, there's this talk going on from people. Nobody talked mm-hmm. about it yet publicly. Yeah. But the whispers. But people are just like, yo, shh, hey, come here, come here. Did you hear about that letter? Well, Sunday service comes along two days later and there was a guy in the church. He went up to the guy who's making the announcements at the end of service and he said, Hey, do me a favor, your announcements, tell everybody I'm going to have a meeting over at my house on Tuesday night for anybody who wants to come over and talk about the letter. Hmm. Well, the guy gets up and does all the announcements and makes all of his announcements. And then it's like, okay, buddy, let's stand up for one last song. And didn't make that announcement yeah, because he was told not to. Hmm. At which point the guy who told him, you know, jumps up in the back of the room, hold on a minute, you know, yells it out in front of, you know, there's 300 people in the room. I'm having a meeting at my house on Tuesday night for anybody who wants to come over and talk about the letter. Oh my goodness. Dude, it was crazy. For the next two days, yeah. between Sunday afternoon, all day Monday, all day Tuesday, there was a group of people calling everybody in the church one by one. Don't go to that divisive meeting. Don't go to that divisive meeting. Oh, wow. I, got, I got a call. I got a call. Don't yeah. go to that. I'm like, what do you mean don't go to the meeting? Of course I'm going to the meeting. Like, why wouldn't I go to the meeting? You know, and it's like, you know, what spiritual pornography. It's like, you know, don't go to the meeting. I'm like, no, hold on a minute. There's, there's things to talk about. You know, like, I'm not saying everything in this letter. 
everything in this letter doesn't apply to the two years I've been here at this church, but sure. there's definitely things in here that we need to talk about. Like there's things in here that do apply. Yeah. Like what, what do you mean? We're not going to talk about it. Like just, you know, there's an elephant in the room. We're just going to, you know, put a big rug over it and pretend it's not there. Like, right. Like, no, there were probably 80, 80 people that showed up at this guy's house you know, <laughs> for this meeting. I was, yeah. there. It was, I mean, it was packed and it was really, really good. Well, for the next probably three or four weeks, there was just a split right down the middle of the church here. Mm. <laughs> I mean, literally, you'd have half the people, they literally sat on this side, and then oh, you had wow. half the people over on this side. Yeah, I'm on the side like, look, we can change it. You know, whatever. My wife went like one more week, and she's like, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. You know, I went another three weeks like, no, we can fix it. We can fix it. You know, whatever. And I just remember it was so uncomfortable. You know, we'd walk down, you'd walk down the hall to go get the kids, our, you know, our young kids, you know, at this point, they're like six and three, whatever go down to get the kids out of like, you know, kids church, kids kingdom, whatever it was. And uh, if you saw, if you walked down the hall passing somebody who was on the other side of that, like, don't talk about it. They literally would not look at you. It's like, just turn and look away. Just the rigidity. Like, this is what it was. It yeah. was three weeks of just, you just dreaded Wednesdays and Sundays because there was such a division in there. Yeah. At which point after about three weeks, I realized that my wife's not going, I'm still going, but I'm like, you know, if this is what they want, they can have it. Who am I to change what they want? If that's okay. But we got to go find something else. That was really hard. That was yeah. really hard, you know, looking for something else because again, we go looking around and I remember we're, you know, we're, we're out church shopping basically, you know? And so let's go try this one. And so, you know, you're sitting there and you're kind of like, you know, you're all these things you've been taught for all these years, all these kind of things. So you're like, you know, right. okay, it's going good. It's going good. It's going, okay. Things are good. Oh, wait, wait, do you hear what he said? Do you hear what he said? Get the kids, get out of here. We got to go. <laughs> oh, I relate so yeah. much to this. It's the, you have like five different key phrases or trigger words. Like, oh, that's it. Nope, red flag. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and so we, we kind of jumped around like, you know, it was like two or three weeks. And then again, you know, we realized, my wife realized like, okay, wait a minute. Like, you know, what, if what we're looking for is exactly like what we just came out of, then we wouldn't have left what we just came out of. Like, right. it's like, like we don't have the handle on this. Like it, it's never going to be perfect because we're all a part of it. Yep. There's no perfect church out there, whatever. Like we just got to find something that is teaching the word of God best that we can sense it and see it and study it and whatever. And we got to find something that really works and, you know, yep. whatever. It, it's not about going around. You know, I think there's a lot of that these days today, second Timothy four people going around to, you know, kind of looking for the church that tickles their ears. You know, it's like, we're yep. not looking for that. You know, not what I want to hear. It's not about that. But, you know, we had to find something. And we just realized, like, again, we don't have the handle. So we've learned so much in the last 20 years of, again, grateful for what I was a part of. Yeah. You know, seriously, there was so much good. We'll talk about some of the good and the bad. Yeah, we're going to get into that for sure. There was a lot of good there. I'm grateful for so much of it. But there's definitely things that, that I know we would do different. And there's things that I'm so grateful that we're doing different now. Man, I mean, that's already, that's the podcast, guys. We'll see you. Uh, there you go. Thank you week. for listening. I mean, there, I mean, there was already, there was already so many things. And it's already so fascinating. I mean, my, you were in the same generation as my parents when they were in that 90s time period. And so I've heard, I've heard their perspectives of some of these eras and events, but it's, you've already provided a lot that I, I didn't know and certain things. So I'm already really excited to get into this. Well, the first thing I want to get into and I want to go back to the beginning of what you were talking about, about numbers. I think that's a big, that was a big thing in our church. I think that's a big thing in many churches for various different reasons. I want to talk about 
the idea of membership itself. I want to ask about a couple different things here. I let you take this wherever you want to take this. I want to know how the idea of membership was approached in terms of both, and you've already started to get on this, about attaining new members, about maintaining and keeping members, and then about how it was approached when people, when members left. That whole process, how it was viewed by sure. people, the mentality, and how it was navigated. Well, I mean, it was, we, we reached out a lot. It was very evangelistic. Yes. Big emphasis on evangelism and reaching out to people. We reached out a lot. I mean, honestly, to, to a fault sometimes, because I think where we would go wrong with that is, you know, almost, you know, people would feel guilty if they didn't have a, a, a guest with them sometimes, you know, and, and sure. that would be put on people. I mean, so that's not right, you know, and the pressure sometimes, you know, we're going to, we're going to go out and share our faith. It's like, I had never, I just, I could never do it when I just like, when I like, we're going to go out and purposely do it. Like, just do it. Like, just let it be a part of your life and go out there and just be, be open and share your life with people. But anyway, um, going back to it uh, as far as the membership. So we would, you know, people would come around and and we'd always try and assess, you know, who's open to wanting to dig in deeper, study the Bible, which again, I think is fine. You know, Um, I, I disagree to this day. I think some of, you know, to some degree we had this set structured, sort of study list and you had to go through this list of studies Bible study series. Yeah. Yeah. This whole series before you, before we would consider you to be a Christian, you know, before we would consider, you know, and then you had to get baptized and this is, I became part of the church. You know, I just, I don't agree with all that at this point at all. I don't. Are there good things there? Absolutely. Is there a good foundation there? Yes. My wife and I have taught at the church we're at now to people who have been coming around the church and young, you know, kind of young in the faith, whatever, like, let's get the foundation there. And I think there's good foundational things there, but Mm -hmm. anyway, but this is how you became a part of it, of the group. We would track all that, just track it, track it, track it. When someone left the church, you know, Oh my gosh, poor Joe fell away. He fell away because he left the church. He's a fall away because he left the church. You know, I know there's people that thought when, when we walked away in 2002 poor Jeff and Lane, Oh my God, Jeff. And do you hear about what happened to Jeff and Lane? I know that happened. I know there's people in LA that to this day think that we're just no longer Christians. It's just because we're not a part of mm-hmm. that group, which I never bought into that, that whole teaching. Like this is the church. Yeah, There is no other group outside of our group. Like, well, come on, hold on a minute. And some of the hoops and things that we would make people jump through, you know, and again, things I would go back and change. I remember studying the Bible with, with you know, different guys and, we think we're they're on track to maybe get baptized like by Sunday or Tuesday or whatever it might be. So we'd sit down and count the cost. Which was one specific study in that study series, the counting the cost study. And I get it. You know, there's description in Luke 14, you know, whatever, you got to weigh this out. This is a commitment. You know, you're making a covenant with God, you know, that you're going to yeah. walk with him. Now, it doesn't mean, oh my God, I'm perfect now. It's like, yeah, we're never going to be perfect. You know, I'll mess up today. So I get all that, but... There were certain parameters, you know, well, tell me about your quiet times this week. Well, I only had one. I've been so busy. Okay. Well, I guess we're going to have to wait another week. Right. Like, you know, again, I look back on them like, hold on a minute. What? Like, what were we doing with that? Like, what is that? Quiet times are good, but then there's a disconnect with, oh, now we're requiring the certain, it's a numbers thing and a prerequisite to attain the next thing. Right. Well, I almost think too, Austin, I think some of this, like I go back to when the letter came out. And I just yeah. remember one of the things that really hit me with some of this, it's like, you know, here we are putting all these things over people's heads in terms of you better be doing all these things or you can't be part of our group or you're, 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 you've got a bad heart. 
you're, 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 you're weak, like all these spiritually weak, like all these kind of things that, that would go on. And I'm like, wait a minute. I just think about the scripture. And again, I might be using this out of context, but I rem- and I don't know. I remember this, you know, yeah. with the measure you use, it'll be used against you. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to hold this over this guy's head, we're not, you can't become a part of our group because you only had two quiet times this week and there's seven <laughs> days in the week. Well, yeah. then God help all of us if we haven't had a quiet time every day. Because with the measure we're using, it's going to be used against us. And now we're going to be judged according to that same standard. That scared me. When I really got, when I wrapped my head around that a little bit and realized like, here's what some of what we were doing again, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. We are on a slippery slope here. Again, is it good to have a quiet time every day? Absolutely. And I do them. I, I will, yeah. I do them. You know, I, to this day, I do them. It's a good thing for me that came out of that. Sure. You know, building that habit. I mean, I think we need to arm ourselves spiritually. But am I going to burn in hell tomorrow if I didn't have a quiet time today? No. Yeah. I'm not. You know, whatever. I, you know, it's just I might I might react differently because the armor's getting weak or I'm getting chinks sure. in the armor because I didn't put it on today or whatever. But, you know, it's it's not a salvation issue. You yeah. know, and I think we would tend to make so many different things salvation issues and again if you left that church to go to a different church or you moved away and went oh my god poor so-and-so they fell away oh no 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 i don't know if this is in my book or not it was in a an outline for the for the book i don't know if it made it in though it was a story when i was in college we went to they had these these periodic campus ministry events some kind of rent out a theater and do something right I remember they had this Q&A moment where people wrote on papers and sent in questions just about whatever you wanted to ask and some some person asked uh, is smoking weed a salvation issue? And question, okay, fine. Ask that if you're curious, great. The person on stage answering the questions who was a respected leader in who I knew didn't say no. He didn't say yes, but he didn't say no. And it was a long, a, like a, a 10 minute or 15 minute answer. Right. And he could have just said, absolutely not. And that would have been the most powerful answer and the, most tr- the truest answer to that question. Sure. And it went on and on and on, just blurred lines and not a no. And there are many things like that, that even when they don't say, yes, it is, they don't give you a no. So you're left in that questioning and uncertainty, which is sometimes even worse than not knowing a definitive. I didn't mention this. This episode is episode 11, which is based on episode 11 of the book, which is called A Culture of Condemnation. And this is kind of the things we're talking about are kind of a mixture between the last chapter and this chapter. Last chapter was about shame. And I talked a little bit about the early days of our church in certain aspects from my parents' perspective. Um, so it's kind of a mashup of those two. But in this chapter, chapter 11, at the end, I do talk about the idea of falling away. And the main point being that this term, this grandiose term, was, it was, I mean, not made. It was a term before we took it and made it a certain thing. But we, we utilized it to hold more weight than just to simply say, oh, they're not going here anymore. It's not just, they're not here anymore. It's, no, they're not Christians anymore because the Christians that come out of this place, the Christians that we produce are stronger Christians, are are real Christians, as opposed to that church that makes Christians with a faulty image of God and understanding of the Bible. I talk about the, uh, the idea of falling away and how it seemed, at least for me growing up, in my, I was there for 18 years before I left, and in that time, there were plenty of people who left, right, that I had known for either for years and years or just a couple months, whatever, people who were there and were members and then ended up leaving for a plethora of reasons, whether they actually didn't want to be a Christian anymore, fine, uh, or they were just moving or whatever, what have you. But the thing that struck me more so once 
I left and looked back was the fact that according to leadership, none of those people, not one, ever left for good reasons. No matter what the person leaving actually said the reasoning was, according to the people in our church, the leaders, it was either because they were prideful or arrogant or God was leading them astray or they chose the world, whatever. But it was never, they never accepted the fact or said that someone left for a good reason that was healthy for them. And because in their minds, there wasn't a good enough reason. No reason was good enough to excuse the fact that, for what we believed, they were leaving God and settling for a, an inauthentic, false Christian experience elsewhere. And of course, now that I'm out, I look back and see that and go, oh, wait a minute. There was never someone who had left for a valid reason. But at that age, I was unable to discern that those things weren't true and that, oh no, in most cases, they're, they're fine. They're fine. They're in their pace in their life. They're being led somewhere else. And I think that's, that's so harmful because it creates I mean, a, a shame and condemnation when people leave, but also a guilt when you're there sure. for, for many different reasons. A, a guilt to stay if you're not feeling like your heart's there anymore. A fear of having to leave and having to confront that because when you have stakes, you're talking about you had a family and all this stuff, there's stakes above just yourself. And when you're in a system like this, especially for a long time, but even when you're not, and you know the, the door out is a lot smaller to fit through than the door in because and th- that can be good and bad, but I'm talking in terms of you, we don't want you to leave. And if you do, you're making the wrong choice, regardless of whether it was the right or wrong choice for you. Um, which, I mean, I'm just elaborating on what you said, because that's, that's a really big point that I talk about, this falling away dynamic. I just think there's, you know, I think, and again, this is, this is just my conviction from things that I've read. There's going to be people who disagree with this. I, I, don't, sure. I don't believe that a true Christian can fall away. John 10, you know, whatever anybody's come to you, you know, you can't snatch them out of my father's hands. Um, first John five, there's stuff in there about that. You know, Hebrews, uh, I want to say six, I could be wrong there. It's not my place to judge it. I just don't think that, you know, I don't, I don't know. There, there is such a term as yeah. a fall away in that sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's like this judgment put on there. And I don't know if that's because all of a sudden now there's like, again, is it a, is it a control issue? Is it a numbers issue? Is yeah, it, you know, what, yeah. what is it? I don't know. Some um, mixture of all of them in some way, in different times. To some degree, you know? yeah. Yeah, there's some really big churches. I know there's a big church here in Colorado Springs, huge church that the last couple of years, I mean, they really haven't, they won't address certain issues. They won't address anything with politics, which I don't want to get into politics and I don't want the church yeah. to be about politics, but sure, they, they won't address anything with abortion. They won't address any of the issues out there because they know it's going to be a divisive issue in their church. So let's just not talk about it Yeah. because yeah. we've got a huge budget that's literally in the multi-millions and we can't <laughs> afford to lose people. That's literally what it is. In right. fact, there's people coming to the church I'm a part of now who used to be on staff at that church. Oh, wow. And that was why they left because, you know, this would be talked about in their meetings, you know, um, whatever. We can't financially afford to lose people, you yeah. know, to do all the programs that we're doing. And they're doing some good things. But, it, but again, to not to not talk about certain things either. Like that's not good, you know? Yeah. Whatever. I mean, there's just, there's so many things going on and not to get off topic here. Oh no, no, no. I mean, it's it's all, it's just, it's the church in general. There's a, there's a lot of things happening right now. I want to talk about, I want to ask you personally, what aspects, mindsets, practices, 
of this church that you were a leader and a member in, do you believe were done in a healthy way? And which aspects do you believe were done in an unhealthy way? I mean, again, we, we mentioned the quiet time thing. I do think that that's, that's a great practice for people to get into. There's, there's guys that I mentor now that I'm always asking them about, not in a, not a legalistic way, you know, yeah. but, but I, you know, what, what are you reading these days? What are you studying these days? What are you working on these days? You know, what, what, you know, what, what, tell me about your quiet times. Cause I do think that's yeah. important. I mean, the Bible talks a lot about, about growth, you know, and it talks about, you know, I think just daily how I think, I feel like I need, I know for myself, I need to be in there every day yeah. reading and studying and, and good prayer time and that kind of stuff. And I, and that's things that I got out of the, out of being a part of the church, like having that conviction. I think about things with, honestly, with our marriage, I think uh, we, we learned a ton of good things you know, with our marriage and, and, and having other, some other people in there that we could go to if we just needed help. Cause I remember, you know, those first couple of years and, you know, like for me, I got married, I was 20, I was no way I was 30, 30 when I got married, 31. Yeah. And you know, there's, you know, 30 years of living single and now you're, you know, and, yeah. and you put two people together and trying to figure that out and, you know, whatever the honeymoon stage lasts a while, but eventually it's just two people that it, yeah. You know, whatever you're going to butt heads at times and how to work through that and different convictions I got out of that, you know, in terms of just, you know, whatever, you know, not going to bed angry. You know, we've stayed up till two in the morning sometimes or later because we just not that yeah. we have to have it completely resolved, but that's just something Lane and I have done. We just we've made a commitment to ourselves with that. You know, um, we we don't use the D word. It's just it's not allowed in our marriage. No matter what we get, you know, we made a covenant with each other, with God that through sickness and health, through good times and bad, whatever, we're going to be here and we're going to figure this out. It yeah. might not be pretty at times and it won't be, but you know, but th- those are a lot of those convictions I got from being around other couples, yeah. you know, that, that had some really good, strong, solid marriages. I think about, you know, even some of the stuff with our kids, I mean, you know, knock on wood, our kids have, they're doing great, you know, and I'm grateful for that. There's, there's so much about it that I'm grateful for. Yeah. I think one of the mistakes that we made was we did not allow God we didn't allow room for God. Mm. We didn't allow room for grace mm-hmm. because grace is, is, you lose control when you talk grace. Yeah. One of the things that, and I'll share this, you know, the, the church that, uh, that when we ended up making that move, you know, back whatever, 20 years ago now, the church that we, we went to for years, whatever, we ended up actually, the, the guy who led the church ended up going a different direction and started another church and, we're now with them, and it's it's been awesome. I mean, both the churches are doing really well. But mm-hmm. when we went to out there, and I remember I sat down with um, Steve, the, the guy that leads the church, and just said, you know, man, I want to talk. I'm damaged goods here. I'm trying to figure things out. Just coming out of this and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But sitting down and talking, and, and we just had several talks. That, like one of the things I mentioned, you know, how the church that, that you and I were a part of, how, you know, someone would come in the church, they become a member, and they're pretty much expected to be, that's just the truth of it. You better be there on Sunday. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, I, it's just what it was. You were just, and again, you know, you were expected to be there on Sunday. We had a midweek service. You, yep. You're going to be there too. You have a Bible talk or a Bible study group or a house kind of church small group on another night of the week somewhere. You're going to be there. You're also going to be paired up with like a discipling partner, which again, yep. I think is good. Here's the thing. All of it is good. The intention behind all of it is sure. the more I can feed myself spiritually and be around people that are, you know, on that same path, the better that's going to do for me. That's like just the truth. I, I get mm-hmm. all that. But to have, you know, all of a sudden somebody doesn't show up at one of those things. And now, you know, you're picking up the phone, calling them like, 
you know, bro, where were you? On, where were you tonight? What, what's yep. going on? You okay? You know, whatever. Like, you know, and all of a sudden if they miss too much, like, wow, what's going on? You know, they're on the weekend concern list. You know, they're, they're oh, on yeah. that, they, they got a bad heart. You know, they got a bad heart. So-and-so's got a bad heart. Like this kind of stuff would go on. I'm just like, okay, wait a minute. And that switch is really fast from, oh, they're doing well to, oh, they have a bad heart or they're, they're we got to keep an eye on them, whatever. It can happen really fast. Right. And the only reasoning being that they're not going to stuff as, as adamantly. I remember when I told Steve about that dynamic, he says, you know, that all sounds great. He says, but that's so unrealistic to me. He says, like, we will never do that at this church, just so you know. He's like, do we have small groups? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Do we have a midweek service? Absolutely. Do we have, a, you know, every Sunday? Absolutely. Do they have to be there? That's up to them. Yeah, like, that's to feed it's them. up to them where they go. And, you know, he said, here's the thing. Everybody's coming in with different baggage yeah. and different backgrounds. There's people, he says, I'll be honest, he says, I'm up here speaking and, I might look out there and I see somebody and I haven't seen them in three months. And I'm just like, thank God they're here today because I know their background and I know what they went through. And we've had talks and the spiritual abuse and the mental abuse and the sexual abuse growing up and just different things. The baggage that we all bring in with us, it's like so unrealistic to put everybody in this box. And now because you're part of this, you better be here Sunday, Wednesday, you know, the Thursday night thing, the this thing, whatever. And then to judge people on that if they don't show up at some of that stuff, it's like, it's just not realistic. But yet that's yeah. what would happen. Intentions are good. The better, the more we're around it, the better we'll do spiritually, the stronger our relationship with God will, or the better, the more it will grow and mature and all that. I get all that. But it's just, but again, to place judgment on somebody because they don't show up at different things. I mean, really, you start going down the road of the Pharisees. Yeah, that's just the truth. Though. It's it's the Pharisees, you, these legalistic rules, you know, set by man, and you right. better right. jump through these hoops or else. Yeah, and that's religion, and that's what Jesus came and fought against from day one of starting his ministry. But yet, it's real easy for churches to fall into that legalistic sort of trap. And I told Steve, like, I we. I didn't become a part of a small group at that church really for years because I just, I'm like, you know, the first time I don't show up on a Thursday night or something, cause I'm just yep. exhausted or I wor- just got off work two hour an hour ago and it's nine o'clock or whatever. And the first time I get a call like Jeff, where were you tonight? <laughs> it's going to set me back 10 years. Like I can't do it. The second I commit, I'm withholding to it and I got to show up all the time. So I'm just going to wait a second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now the other thing too, let me share this, Austin. Like um, what the, I remember about twice a year, we would hear this from up front, you know, in, in the group that we're a part of now. Like, look, he he would throw it out there, like, hey, just a reminder, you know, this would have nothing to do with his sermon, the message, the series we're on, or whatever. He would just put it out there. Hey, just a reminder, you know, if you're having any challenges in your marriage, if you need help, you need people to talk to, you need some counseling, just know that we're here for you. Call the church office. You can set an appointment. Come on in. You know, we're here to help. We're happy to help. We love helping. We all need help at times. You know, my wife and I, we need help at times. Like this is the the main guy up front, right? Yeah. At the church we're part of now. And he said this though. He said, but just know this. He says, if you set an appointment with me, just know that when you come into my office, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, have you been praying together? Mm. If you have not been praying together, just know this. I want to save you the time from coming in, but it will be a five-minute appointment. Yeah. I'm not kidding. We, we, will, we will go out to the lobby, and here's my secretary at the desk, and we will reschedule for 30 days out. Yeah. And when you come back 30 days from now, I'm going to ask you, the same have question. you been praying together? Well, we prayed together for two weeks, but the other two weeks, you know, okay, you know, thanks for coming. Here, let's come follow me. We're going to go back out to the desk, and we're going to reschedule for 30 days out. 
Yeah. He's like, if you're not going to let God into the marriage, when God designed marriage to begin with, and we believe that, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. We're not going to sit here in my office and scream at each other for an hour. We're not going to yeah. throw out scriptures at each other out of context and, and beat each other over the head with the Bible. We're not going to yell, he did this and she said that, and we're just not going to do it. And he said, you'd be surprised how many people, when they actually do that, end up canceling the appointment because they just don't need to come in anymore. Because yeah. God showed up and worked and it humbled their hearts out and now they could communicate and talk. And what it does, not all the time. But I remember when I heard that, I was like, oh my, oh wow. How refreshing yeah. is that? Because right. how many times, how many times over the years that we were in ministry, my wife and I, did we have a married couple sitting on our couch at 1130 on a Tuesday night screaming at each other? Yeah. No joke. I mean, and just oh, you know, sure. whatever. And but and here we are trying to fix it. We're trying to fix it. You know, and we're getting with them individually and, and together and counseling and, and things else and trying to fix it. And then we're getting help because we'd only been married a couple of years. And we're, <laughs> yeah. trying, and we're trying to fix it. You know, and we did this individually with singles, we did all this kind of stuff. It's like, where's the room for God? You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, even these guys I'm with now, look, it's like I'll give them advice. Like, here's 30 years of being a Christian now. Like, I can tell you, here's what I've learned. Here's what I see. You know, you want my advice on this situation? Here it is. Now, it's up to them whether they follow it or not. Yeah. You know, if if they don't and it goes a different direction and they fall into things because of it, okay, I'll be there to help them pick up the pieces. Hopefully yeah. they learn and next time they do better. But, you know, they're no less a Christian than they were, you know, a week ago before they did it. You know, it's all good. We're still friends. I'm still in there with them. You yeah. know, now if they do it multiple times again, it's like, I don't know, at some point you're just going to learn. I'm here to help you, but, yeah. you know, don't come to me for advice. And then just, I mean, I'm just saying, here's what I've seen. Here's my experiences. It's up to you whether you follow it. And I think where we used to go, it's like, you better follow this advice. Yeah. Or else, you know, or you got a bad heart. You got all these kind of things. And well, now we got to get you in front of these other people. Now we got to take you to these leaders and all this yep. kind of stuff would go on and say, hold on a minute. Where's God in all this? Right. Like we didn't allow God to work sometimes. Like we, God loves them more than I do. Yeah. I see it in so many different areas. I mean, even like when we would do that special contribution. Yeah. Right? Like, like, so, so again, I'm going I'm the church that I'm a part of now. I yeah. remember when, you know, they were busting at the seams, the building that they were in. Mm. And it got to a point, they, they they were up to, I think they did two, they got to three services on Sunday. They started doing a Saturday night. Like it was just growing like crazy. Now, let me say this. First of all, they never once handed out all, okay, Easter and Christmas. Here's a card to give to your neighbors sure. and friends. But they never once went out and did all this kind of stuff and evangelized. They never, it just, God made it grow. I'm just telling yeah. you because they were preaching the word God made it grow. But then I remember one time they're like, okay, we've, when we first designed this building, we did design it to where at some point we could do this. We could add on here and it's all set in the plot of land. We can do this. Now here's the deal. A month from now, we're going to take up a special offering. And if we just trust that if it's meant to be, the money will be there and we will expand. Um, and if it's not, then God, you know, if we have to add three more services, we will, we'll do whatever we got to do. We will get it done, but we're trusting God with it. Just know that on, you know, May 31st, we're going to take up this offering and just, you know, keep it in mind. If God leads your heart to, to give extra or do anything different, whatever. Great. If not great, either way is fine. We're trusting God with it. Let's move on. And you wouldn't hear another thing about it. Yeah. And I swear to you. And this has happened a couple of times. They've more than blown it out. Sure. What they needed. Yep. And add it on and did it. Wow, look at this. God did this thing. Again, you're allowing God to move and allowing God to move the hearts and work, whatever. 
we back in the day, oh my goodness. Like it was like you had you had Excel spreadsheets with everybody's yeah. things and you're tracking and special yeah. meetings yeah. and pulling this group together here and taking these people downstairs because they don't have it yet and we're only four days out and oh my all this stuff that would go on. It's like where is God in all this? You know? Yeah. Like I mean, where is where we're not allowing God to work. Would you elaborate on okay, you, you mentioned for people who don't know, I've heard this a little bit. Going downstairs Okay, first off, I'll, I'll say this, though. In the 90s, the church met at this, you guys owned or rented this, was it an actual, it used to be a club, right? It was a, it was a nightclub that closed down. In Hollywood, and, and, which in is Hollywood, pretty cool. And the, and the church bought yeah. that and refurbished it, basically, and so we met there. And it was a great place yeah. to, it was a great place for us. It was cool. I've been there when I was I mean, really young. It was a really cool yeah, place. Yeah. No. And, and, you know, the ministry that we were part of right, being right there, I mean, again, I think this is where I fell into it was just, you know, it, it prim- our ministry focused on the entertainment industry, you know, and uh, right. no, there were all yep. kinds of people there. You didn't have to be in the entertainment industry, but the, but the primary focus being right there in Hollywood was reaching out to, you know, musicians and actors and singers and all kinds of stuff, models and just different people that would come yeah. primarily and be a part of that group or come to church. And so it was a great place to, you know, Friday night, sometimes we'd have concerts there and there was a lot of talent in that church. I mean, Oh yeah. They're really great. Oh yeah. Unbelievable. You know, musicians and singers and stuff. And we'd throw on just a Friday night thing. Great for people to come to all had a great time there, whatever. And it was open to guests. And, you know, a lot of times you'd be, Hey, what are you doing on Sunday? By the way, you're more than welcome to come back. We have church here on Sunday. What does you do church here? Sure. I'll come back. And so it was awesome. You know, yeah. all that part of it, the, the club was, yeah. But there was a downstairs area with a cafe. And so like special contribution time, right. it's like, you know, everybody had to come up with what were they going to give on this certain date, whatever. And we would start tracking it. And and there was pressure innately because oh. there, there are these quotas. For you as leaders, there's quotas on these spreadsheets to turn in and say, I've met this. And that there's no way, even against your best efforts, if you ever did, to not have that pushed onto membership because they're the ones supplying it. It has to be. Yeah. Here's our group of, you know, whatever, 300 people. And we're going to come up with, you know, we're $175,000, you know, in, in yeah. two months or something. So we'd, we'd kind of throw it out there. Okay. Just write down on this card, like what you've got. If we did this right now today, what would it be? And it's like, you know, it'd be like, I don't know, 30,000. Okay. We, you know, we got two months. We got to figure out how we're going to come up with this other 150,000, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And so we'd start tracking this and then we'd have to call it in and report it. And all of a sudden now the whole church across the, you know, is all taking up this big contribution on this day. And again, it was just those last few weeks. It'd be like, you know, the ones that didn't have it or were way off, like, okay, you know what you, you 40 people come with me, whatever, we're going downstairs and we go down in the basement and we do almost like one-on-one, like, what do you, yep. What's your plan? What's your plan? What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sell this. I'm going to do a yard sale. I'm going to do whatever it might be. You know, again, yeah. I don't know. There, there's there's all kinds of scriptures in there when it comes to sacrifice and when it comes to giving. I was going to say, but don't be coerced yeah. into doing it. And it kind of, we, we went down that road with some people. And again, instead of just like throwing it out there yeah, and just let God move the hearts and let them give what they want to give. If they want to give their normal tithe, give their normal tithe. If they want to give 10 times it, great, you know, whatever. Yeah. But we would do like a, yeah, I remember that we would do like a 10 times or a 20 times contribution for, you know, because <laughs> and it, now again, the intention behind it, cause here's all the churches sure. we're going to plant around mm-hmm. the world with this money. I get it yeah. again, a good thing, but okay. If we collect half of them, we start half those churches. Okay. That's what God, that's, that's for, what God for now. 
to be right for now. now. And yeah, exactly. I mean, again, but it didn't run that way. Yeah. And again, now you're on staff and your job, you feel like your job is on the line. Yeah. If you don't it may be different things. Absolutely. Oh, and I saw that with people, you know, I'd you see people, you know, just in and out of ministry, in and out of staff, yeah. that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, there were, there were just things like that that just, oh man. The biggest image in my mind when you're talking about the church that is almost deferring to God in these things, and then ones who were trying to force this and coerce this, the, the image in my mind was just a closed hand and an open hand. That's the difference. I think, I don't know if the key, but a, a vital element of any organization or community, but especially spiritual communities, churches, in their, in, in their response and the way they navigate and approach, the way that they work at a systematic level, including finances, including membership, including all this stuff, is open-handed to God. Because unlike the CEO of a major company and a church, the CEO of a company is in charge of that company, whereas the head guy at a church is supposed to be second to. And I Absolutely. think that's a big difference is <laughs> they're looked at as the number one guy. No, no, no. No matter how much influence or authority you have, you are second to. And if it's not that way, then there are bound to be, maybe there's an exception, I don't know, but there are bound to be problems because that's not how it's built to be in this. Closed hand versus open hand. Closed hand, you're taking it all, trying to keep the reins, trying to force the money and the membership and the, and the growth and the control in some cases, right? And then open hand it is, we have these things, this list of things that we would love to see, our goals, our missions, our whatever, that we would love to see as people. And we've prayed about it and we believe this is what God wants and we're set on these things. But the timing of that, we think we may know and, and that's good and we're going to go for that. But our handles are open because... We have no idea. We can't look a second into the future. And we know God knows exactly where this has to go, what has to happen here, how much needs to be made here, who needs to be, who needs to hear this message at this Sunday service, or who doesn't need to be here, who is doing something better for them and God at that moment. Who knows? I'm not to say, but I'm here to provide it with an open hand if that's for that person and God knows. Deferment, a deferment to God, a deferment to the Holy Spirit is essential. 100%. I think a big through line for, and this has been, in my book, every episode of this podcast seems to go back to this because it's true, is that in so many cases, I'm not going to say all because I know there are, there are things on the fringes that don't fall under this, but the vast majority of every unhealthy practice, mindset, idea, belief in these churches, and in our church, I'm talking about experience here, originates from a good intention. 99% of yeah. the time. Not all the time. There are things, but good intention is where so many things start. And one thing I want to talk about here is you mentioned it. Um, this is a pretty good example. That I've, I've heard stories of, don't know it myself because it wasn't in play anymore, but you mentioned the weakened concern list. And if, if you're a member of this church from back then, I'm sure you know about this. Give us the explanation about the weakened concern list, how it started, what it became, and your, your, your memory of it. Because I don't have any experience with okay. this at all. Sure. And I honestly don't know if I know how it started. I think it was there when I came on staff. Okay, I remember yeah. going to like the first staff meeting I went to and, you know, and again, intention, good. You know, it would, it would come up, here'd be a list of people that, I mean, for myself, I remember just primarily, here's a prayer list right. more than anything. Like that, that's, that's how I personally use it. I remember again, having keys to the club that we met at. Yeah. And I can't tell you Austin, how many Saturday nights I would go down there or, 
early mornings or, you know, I don't know, late on a Tuesday night even and unlock the door and go in there and close the door behind me and lock it up and just walk around in there and just pray and pray. And I'd have this list, you know, and just, you know, and again, all good. I mean, I, there, yeah, were, that's fantastic. Been, there, that's were, awesome. there were times I've been there all night long, you know, praying for different situations, different people and different things again. So, yeah, you know, the, the, the intention behind that list is, is okay. I think where, yeah. I think again, there's that there's that judgment that would come in there sometimes on different people. There, there's a guy, and just you know, not to go off on a tangent, but there's a guy who I remember he um, he wasn't part of our group, but we were doing a big park service outside, an outdoor service at a park. I think I actually spoke that day. Um, I remember this now. I spoke that day. I remember it was like basically you know, food's done, it's time to eat, you know, all this burgers and all this kind of stuff. And I look way over here, probably a good 100 yards, 150 yards away, sitting over on the little side of this hill. Here's these three guys sitting over there. I walk over there just to basically let them know that, hey, you know, food's ready if you want to come over. Yeah. And here's this one guy. I'm going to say his name. He's sitting there, and he's just going off, going off. These people tell me they love me. They don't love me. They don't even know me. Who the hell? You all this? I mean, just yeah. going off, you know? Anyway, I ended up sitting there for probably a couple hours. Wow. And end up taking this guy home and uh, dropped him off. And, you know, he told me, you know, we got talking a little bit and he's, he worked at a coffee shop downtown LA. Um, didn't have a car. Would get on a bus usually about three 30 in the morning. The LA bus system runs like every hour instead of every 10 minutes or something. Cause different times a day, he'd have to catch like a three 30 bus to be down there like by five o'clock to get things opened up. So they opened at five 30, whatever. And so anyway, um, I just said, you know, hey, what, what's your schedule this week? I'd love to get together. And I genuinely just, I mean, I remember I remember sitting there and as I started hearing his story, it was kind of like, you know, man, this guy has been through stuff that I've never been through. I want to get to know this guy and I want to be a friend of this guy. But Wednesday, he had he got off at like 1230. I'm like, I'll come pick you up. You know, 1230 on Wednesday, we'll hang out a little bit Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. I dropped him off at his house. I remember as I dropped him off and said that he kind of rolled his eyes and like, you know, okay, whatever. <laughs> I just had this attitude going on, right? Well, the next day, Monday, you know, this is Sunday. The next day, Monday, we have our, just our groups, like staff meeting. And one of the guys, he was in this other guy's ministry. And, and this guy, again, we come up, here's the weekend concern list. And somebody threw out this guy's name. And I said, I said, oh, just so you know, I'm getting with him on Wednesday. I said, we we talked for a while. He said, like, oh, don't waste your time. Like, it's just like, that guy, he's just a lost cause. Like, just forget about him. Like, you know, that's ridiculous. Like, yeah. And I just kind of like, you know, I didn't say anything, but sure. I'm like, no, I'm going to go get with this guy. Yeah. And I did. And I continued to get with the guy. And I remember when I walked into that coffee shop, I'll never forget this, because I walked in about 1215, you know, he gets off at 1230 and it's like lunchtime. It's busy in the line and people getting yeah. sandwiches and coffees, whatever. He saw me walk in it was, and you could just see it on his face like, oh, geez, like there he is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> seriously, you know, it's that rolling of the eyes like. Oh, crud, you know, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, I hung around, whatever, and I pick him, I take him home. And honestly, it was just a ride home, and we talked for maybe another 15 minutes. He just wasn't in the mood, but we talked. Yeah. I continued just to be in there with him. Well, I will tell you, just long story short, it, it was no joke. Like, God worked in this guy's life, like, powerfully. Yeah. Like, he ended up, like, making just major changes. Like, God worked in him. And he says this to me all the time. He's like, man, you became Jesus to me. 
And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back for that at all. No, Please but don't I get what you're talking. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. I feel like here's what we're supposed to do. You know, there's going to be these people going through things. Like we need to be there for each other and help mm-hmm. each other, whatever. Like, you know, Jesus came. Here's the sick. Like this isn't the time you kick him out. Right. You don't have nothing to do with this guy. Like, are there situations for that? Biblically? Yes, there are. But very few. Very few. Yeah. That yeah, should the happen. Margin, the margin for that. Yeah. Oh, is very small. Where and I feel like there were times when and we, and we handled that pretty well. But we would also, like, I just remember again one of those things I would change going back would be like, wait a minute, again, like be in there with these people. This guy ended up growing so much, and I'll never forget when it got to the time when he's getting married, and I did his wedding. Oh, God, I was oh, wow. a mess. I was a mess. I mean, you, I'm sh- not you showed up, but he rolled his eyes again, like, oh, here he is again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, and here's the, because it was such a, no joke, just a miracle of God that he was even there. Yeah. And at this point now where he's married, his daughter, who he had completely lost touch with for years, whatever, because of drugs and all this other stuff. And his mom, they were never married. And, you know, so, Mm -hmm. but he ended up finding her, whatever, through this process. We found her. And I remember when I was there, when I drove him down there for this reunion, he's a nervous wreck. And. You know, she ends up becoming a Christian and, you know, 1130 on a Friday night, we will talk till two in the morning. I'm to this day. I mean, it's just, yeah. But again, it's like, you know, so here's the weak and concern list in the sense of like, it can be used for good in the sense of like, here's people to pray for. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of churches have prayer lists and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, it became less of a list of people to pray for and more of a list of people who were weaker in their faith. Or we were concerned about, right, quote unquote, and who were not worth the time in some aspects, who weren't uh, worthy of higher responsibility or leadership. All of these labels and condemning attributes just because of where they were in their life or their walk with God. You know, I think one of the things it could go to that point, too. It's like, well, these people, let's just dismiss, take them off the books and they fell away. And oh, well. Yeah. You know, don't waste your time kind of thing. No, that's not what we do. You're not supposed to waste your time. Like you can't force them, but go in there and love up on them. Yeah. You know, serve them, give to them, whatever you can do. If they kick you out, they kick you out. If they push you away, they push you away, but don't just dismiss them because, Oh my God, they fell into all this sin. I'm staying away. Like that's right. who Jesus got in with. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. that's what he did, you know? And so anyway, we did a lot of that, you know, I mean, there was a lot of that that would go on. And the group that I was a part of there at the church, I mean, man, it was, there was definitely, it was, there was a lot of, it was very family. It was full of relationships. I mean, again, to this day, some of my best friendships come from that group, Um, whatever. There's just, there's, there was a lot of legalism that started getting in there and a lot of, you know, I don't know, religion, it's religion, you know, and Jesus came to basically, you know, it was never about religion with Jesus. It was all about relationships. Yeah, You know, and I think that's where, you know, it, it can go down that road so easily with churches if they start coming. Here's this list of rules. A connection with Jesus, the more you know him, the less you'll be inclined or want to do those things. It's a natural, it's not, and there are some things, sure, that we're going to go, oh, I, I can't do that. Sure. But it's because, not because, oh, I'm told I have to, blah, 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 blah. It's no, no, no. I want Jesus more. And my heart is being changed slowly and slowly and slowly. and my perspective is being changed. I'm looking at him and I'm away from those things. I'm being naturally led to and be inclined to choose him over and over again. It's a much more natural, real thing. As the relationship grows and and you get Mm -hmm. stronger and stronger and you realize how much grace God's thrown on you. It's like, yes, 
how we don't deserve any of this. I mean, you know, we just got through Easter. I mean, whatever the crucifixion, he didn't do yeah. it because he was in sin. He became sin for us. Whatever. When you grab hold of that and really understand that and let that sink deep down inside your heart, it's like, yeah, I could go do all these things, but I don't want to do these things. I don't want to add to my list yeah. of things that he went to the cross for. So it's, it's about yeah. the relationship. Religion puts up barriers. Jesus tears down barriers. Yeah. You know, uh, you know re- religion makes you work your way to God. And we did that yeah. in many ways. You know, it's, it's, it's the Pharisees. It's the Pharisees. Jesus says, no, I'm the way. Jesus was never about religion. Yeah. You know? It's all grace. But, uh, but unfortunately, yeah. And I think again, but we, I don't remember ever preaching on grace. I don't remember ever yeah. hearing much about grace because grace is too freeing and we can't control you. Right. It's out of our jurisdiction of control. And there's a lot of, Fear. It's fear. It's questions because what's outside of our barrier of influence, we can't control. And yeah. when you're trying to run a business, you can't do that. When that goes into the church, you can't be a business because a business needs control. And yeah. that's, that's a whole different thing. But it, it has mm. to be grace fueled because grace, if grace, grace is the center. So if you act like it's not and you're replacing it with something else, it will not suffice. It won't. Maybe sometimes short term for certain things but it will not end well and will not be the picture that God wants it to be because grace is what allows us to be able to have the authenticity and no barriers to know him and seek him and not have to be afraid and not be, not be afraid of ourselves, our mistakes, our sin, and out of that fear have to set up boundaries and legalistic practices. Boundaries are good in certain cases, but I'm talking about the ones that aren't. <laughs> practices, regulations to maintain and keep us from messing up or sinning or turning this way because we're not accounting for grace that does that for us and allows us the freedom to then go, oh, I don't need to account for that anymore. I'm good. Oh, there's Jesus. Awesome. When I think we're, you know, I think us until like, you know, we come up, like, okay, as I grow in my convictions, okay, here's things that I feel like my wife and I need to grow in and work in and whatever, we're going to read this book and we're going to pull out the Bible and here's these scriptures and things we're working on. Like, that's all good. Like, it, it's all good. But now for me to put that on somebody else, Sure. You know, I, I could, I could certainly get when we've done a lot of marriage counseling over the years in terms of just couples coming in like, Hey, here's, here's things that here's what we went through. This worked for me pretty well. So you can relate. You know, when we started praying together, my God, everything turned and, and yeah, we didn't need to, we had, we could cancel that appointment because all yeah. of a sudden God came back in and we, and we've had that, we've experienced that, you know, we went through that. I remember for me, it was year 13 in our marriage. I'm like, okay, if we get through this one, we're, we're good. Cause I was <laughs> like, you know, and it's hard because, you know, it's like, wait, pray together. Start. We'd gotten way far away from that. Yeah. You know, and I remember it was like, you know, but I don't want to pray with you. I don't even like you right now. It's like, that's kind of where yeah. it was, you know? Yeah. But, it's but a humbling past, thing to have to do. It is, you know, and you start doing it and, and God showed up and we got through it and we were stronger having gone through it. Now I can give that advice and share that with other people and that kind of stuff. But as soon as I start holding it over their head, whatever, and almost judging them for it. Now I start going down that road of the Pharisees. Yep. And we, and we tend to do that in so many different areas. I've done it with different guys that I've mentored. I've done it with different, sure. whatever, you know, you didn't have a, you know, again, it's like, it's so easy to go there, you know, yep. and, and you see churches, you know, going there again. It's one thing to have all the standards and have all the things. And here's what God says, and let's help each other through it and do it. But it's not, you know, you're in or out if you don't do these things. Right. This way. You know, yeah. again, I'm not saying condone sin. I'm not about that. Right. These, but I will say the doors need to be open. Yeah. For everybody. Now, 
again, Jesus wants to change you, though, when you come in here. You know, and we're going to talk about that. We're not going to hold back on what the Bible says. We're not going to take these verses out because it's 2023 and right. it's accepted now by everybody else out there. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's what's going on right now in a lot of churches that you read about. And yeah, you know, so you know, one of the things I do pray every day: wisdom. Pray yeah. that now. Really started probably around COVID time. Man, I need wisdom through this. I need discernment through this. And so it's just, I, I that is a daily prayer for me, probably multiple times a day. But we don't need to hold it over each other's head either, in that sense. And you know. You can't come here anymore because you fell into this last night. You're you're not right. welcome here anymore. Unfortunately, that goes on a lot of places. I think saying, "Oh, you you did this. You messed up here. You fell short here. You're out." What that does is just blatantly, indirectly saying, "Oh, the people here are perfect. The people here don't do that. The people who don't mess up." And that's so just not. It's not, not true, true for so many aspects. One yeah. is that it's just not true. Imperfection is unattainable, and it shouldn't be. It should be unattainable because God is perfect and we're not. And there's not shame in that, but freedom in that. And the whole other thing is that when we do that, we inadvertently cast out any need for grace. Which that's the whole point. If you if you don't think, and of course, grace is still preached and said like, oh, we love, we have God's grace, all this stuff. But then the way the culture surrounding it clearly denotes that you don't fully believe that. It's true. Or you don't think that you deserve it. You don't think you have it because you're striving so hard to keep people in line and perfect as if, if you're not, then no one can help you. But no, God did. He already did. Jesus already did. You're good. Here's grace, which does a disservice to, I mean, yourself, but to so many people around you as well, if that's what you believe. Well, and there's the damage that's done. I just think I go back and again, I know there's people in the, in the seven, eight, nine years we were in ministry. I know there are people who left, who left damaged, you know, and I'm sure some of those people probably want nothing to do with God anymore. And they've gone so far down that road of just, you know, whatever, because of the damage that was done. Because that's the God they were given, which wasn't the authentic who God really is. Exactly. You know, whatever. And I, I remember again, going back when the, when the letter came out, you know, yeah. 2002, whatever. I mean, and I remember like, it just, it, there were definitely, I mean, I was praying about it, like, okay, God, like just who did we hurt? Who did I, did I, who did I say something to that I need to find them and go yeah. back and apologize? And we did, we made, I made a good handful of calls to people where things would pop up like, oh man, there's one. I remember that when God just put that, you know, yeah, bro, I need to talk to you. Man, I don't know if you even remember that time when we did this, man, I'm so sorry. And we did. We had a lot of those calls just apologizing. And I'll put it out right now. If there's anybody listening to this, going back, that just that, that something that I've ever done, the, I know it wasn't intentional. I know, I know the, again, it was all meant for good, but I know that there were many situations where I would have done it differently if I knew differently to do it. So yeah, I would put that out there. If there's anybody out there that listens to this, like, oh man, that Jeff Morrell guy, you know what? So send him oh. an angry text message. <laughs> Strongly worded email. I, but I will tell you, I'm wide open to hearing it. I really am. I'm wide open to hearing it, and I'd love to learn from it. I'd love to grow from it. I know we're in a whole different place now than what we yeah. were years ago back then and, you know, whatever. But, uh, but absolutely, there's, there's always room for growth. I love that. And I'm sure for those people who, I mean, people who you were said may not even remember whatever you had to apologize for. For those people, I'm sure if they were on the way far end of not with anything to do with it, I'm sure... Because there's hurt and there's pain and there's wound that does even the slightest bit to help heal that a little bit. And that does sometimes so much, right? I just, I just think, honestly, Austin, I think about, you know, the, the prodigal son. 
I mean, again, Jesus didn't, you know, God, you know, the father didn't lock the door yeah. and, put, and put, and put a big, you know, wall around his, his estate, you know, so the kid can never come back. No, he sat out there waiting for him to come back day after day after day. Yeah. And there's the heart of God, you know, I mean, he sees him coming like, Oh my God, he, you know, that thing, when I really read that and dig into that, it, it just, it moves my heart in so many ways. I mean, just different times in my life, it's just brought me to tears because you realize here's the heart of God. The heart of God is to run to yeah. the sun throw his arms around the son, you know, the son can't even get a word, you know, out. I mean, yeah. father, forgive me. It's like, you know, whatever. It's like, man, the party begins, you're back, you know, welcome back. Yeah. There's the heart of God where it's not our job to push him out further. No, <laughs> it's our job to be there waiting on the front porch and just with arms wide open, welcome yeah. back, you push him back and further or force him back in, even though that's yeah, what you are inclined exactly. to do sometimes. Exactly. What well, was a couple of years that the son's gone? You know, he's with the pigs. Yeah. I mean, he reaches his yeah. lowest point and it might be that for some people, Yeah. but you welcome him back, you know, and, and that's how it should be in yeah. churches. And when, when he comes back, there's no, there's no expectancy of the father for reparations, even though those are great. And I'm not saying that, but I'm saying all it is, the immediate reaction is I've been waiting for you. Never one second. Has there been any other emotion or, or any other? It's always been, Com- nothing less than complete love in whatever I feel towards you, whatever I want, desire for you, whatever that is always comes from complete love and nothing less than that. And unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, the legalism that can come up in churches, it's like we do anything but that. And it you devalues know, we, people. We, and we makes close them feel the door and lock it. And, you know, thanks, but no thanks. You're not welcome here anymore. Shame on us for doing Yeah. That. Okay. So I've, I've got a few more questions for you. I want to know, if you could tell your past self one thing or a few things while you were still a leader member in this church back when you were still in the, have not yet realized, or maybe we're just starting to realize the things that, that, that may not have been healthy or whatever, what would those things or that thing be that you would tell yourself? Give it to God. Yeah. Lean into God. Surrender to God. This isn't your ministry. It's God's ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, let God lead the ministry, lean into God, whatever. Yes. Pray for wisdom and discernment on these issues and these things that you're dealing with and these appointments that you're in and whatever, but let God lead that appointment. This is not you. It's not about you becoming God and pushing God to the side. Cause I got this, I got this figured out. Let God be God. Love those people. Wrap your arms around those people. Let them know you're there, but don't force anything on anybody. Yeah. You know? Put it out there, have your convictions, but let God be God. God is not uh-huh. a tool that you utilize. You are a tool that God utilizes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. I love that. That's what I would say to my, that's what I would go back and say to myself. That perspective would change so much. It, it continues to change so much as soon as it's realized. That being said, the earlier it can be realized, the sooner it can start changing things for so much better. Absolutely agree. Last question here. I ask this question to every guest. This podcast and my book are all about the idea of crumpled papers, which I define as any ideas or beliefs that we may have at one time believed with full certainty, but at some point realized we needed to reevaluate our perspective on or unlearn altogether. What is one or a few of the biggest or most important crumpled papers of your own that you've had to unlearn or gain new understanding of? You know, I think we can make it so hard for somebody to be saved. Hmm. And again, and stay saved. 
and stay saved and not my place, not my job. I didn't go to the cross. I didn't do it. You know, God doesn't have all the hoops to jump through. We had too many hoops. It's not about the hoops. It's not about going through, you know, here's all these parameters that we'd have to put people through, you know, and then kind of sit there and play judge with them. Are they ready to become a Christian? I don't know. This My perspective on all that has changed in terms of just, again, how you become a Christian. Yeah. It's like, it's the grace of God. It's just, you know, you believe and you surrender that over to him. You realize that there's nothing I can do to save myself. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. He doesn't grade on the curve. I'm not, you know, well, I didn't commit all these sins, so I'm okay. Because I'm not as bad as that guy. That doesn't work. There's nothing I can do. You know, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. But I need to surrender that over that it's because of what he did on that cross that now saves me. And when I get to that point and that true surrender, it's like, okay, you know, there you go. And it's, it's really, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be this big process. You know, is it good to lay a foundation on that to help and grow on? Absolutely. The storms are going to come. You want your foundation on the rock, you know, the house will stand when it's on the rock, it'll fall when it's in the sand. And it's like, so we need to build deep convictions and go in and there and keep growing spiritually, all that kind of stuff. But Again, it's like, you know, we don't need to put people through all these different things for us to decide when that person now is saved. Because, yeah. you know, again, it says, here's what the Pharisees did. They were all about that. You know, so being locked in with God, letting God be God, mm-hmm. trusting that, faith in that, no fear. Yep. You know, yep. get rid of the fear. And uh, and we just have, we have nothing to worry about. Go after him. He's got it all figured out. He's not up there shaking his head with, you know, oh my God, what am I supposed to, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. What do I, what, yep. what am I supposed to do with this one? You know, what, I mean, that's, God's not thinking that at all, yep. you know? So we just have to lean into him and trust him. And, and I think, you know, just, I think that would probably be one of the crumpled papers is just, you know, coming to more grips with that in the sense of just more of a surrender to him, yeah. you know? So, yeah, and, the, and, and allowing ourselves room for that. I love it. That's really, really good. You said about, you know, hoops, it's, God doesn't make the hoops. He takes them away. <laughs> yeah. They're not hoops. Absolutely. I love it. Well, Jeff, well, first off, anything you want to add anywhere before I go off? No, man, I appreciate you having me on here. I love the book. Like I said, it was just, it was one thing where there were a few times I was like, oh, geez. You know, just, <laughs> yeah. I would, I cringed a little bit, read the book at times, you know, which was a good thing. I mean, it was just like, wow, like, cause it, it does, yeah. it, it yeah. brings to light in, you know, and, and fortunately you've been able to kind of, I think, see your way through it and pull through it and growing from it and, still growing and learning and all that. And which is awesome. Um, yeah, there's many people that have, that have done very well with it, but there's, but there's just, there's a lot of damage out there around the world in churches that down that legalistic road, you know, whatever. And so if this book speaks to anybody's heart on that, I'm like, you know, man, they need to, they need to pick up the book and read it. Yeah. I appreciate the endorsement. Thank you for that. Yeah, I definitely have no ill will towards anybody, you know, from the church back in the day or people who are still there. I know there's been some changes made. I think it's hard to change a lot of that when it's so ingrained in it. Sure. Um, I know there's things that I still hear about at times. I just cringe. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, just, you know, and you hope you kind of, they, they kind of figure some things out at different times and not all the groups, just different groups, different people I talk to, but you know, a lot of, a lot of respect for different people there, but definitely some people got out and made a lot of growth and changes. I think some people are still stuck in some of it and, you know, hopefully they, they can hear some of this and just think about things and, and, you know, grow from it as well. Jeff, I really appreciate, I, I, I was so glad to have you on because of this perspective, which 
someone that was knew all the ins and outs and then is now on the outside of that and can look back and discern what was good, what was bad, what you thought about it all. It's really valuable because that can now be used for people that are going through it now, people that might may be starting to go through it, but now may be able to navigate that in a different way. Um, it's really important. Thank you for your humility. Thank you for your insight. Uh, and thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's it, guys. I will see you next week. Until then, peace out. Thanks for hanging with us on this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast. The episode may be over, but the conversation's just getting started. If you have any questions or comments, or just want to say hi, send us an email at crumpledpaperspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And make sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things Crumpled Papers. All links are in the description. This is Austin, and I'll see you next time on the Crumpled Papers podcast.